This is the Authentic Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Nick Foley and Stu Saunders. Here we go. Here we go. This is what I got to say. Oh, this is a great song. Oh, uh, we are here. This is Stu Saunders. This is Nick Foley. And uh, we are back for another episode of The Authentic Entrepreneurs. And uh, today's music choice is a classic. Running with the Devil. By Van Halen. Now why, Nick, you might ask, I picked this as our opening music? Why, Stu, would you pick this as our opening music? Because my friend and your friend and today's podcast guest, Scott Stratton, is uh, has a has a playlist, public playlist on Spotify, and it's called Hair Metal Heaven. <laughs> and the first song he has in Hair Metal Heaven is Running with the Devil. Running with it. Let's just fast forward. Here we go. Ready? Here we go. Ready? Here we go. Please hit right here. Running with the Devil. All right. All right. We'll we'll, we'll cut let's this get, off. Let's get into it. All right. Well, we're excited today because this is this is uh, we've been we've been teasing this since the first episode, the last episode of last year, and the first episode of this year that we were going to have the one and only Scott Stratton um, on our podcast. And uh, speaking for myself, and I think you know, if you disagree, Nick, let me know. But uh, we were pumped for this. Yeah, he, he's he is a um, well, he's a pioneer when it comes to lots of things, but marketing. Yeah. Yeah, being his really uh, forte, and and if you don't know Scott Stratton, he is the uh, he and his amazing, uh, much better half Allison um, are the kind of the whole brains. They are the brains, not the whole. They're kind of they are the brains behind the entire unbrand, um, which includes unmarketing, unselling, unbranding, the unpodcast. Um, they're just they're amazing human beings. We we know them. I I know them. I met him. I met Scott for Scott and Allison four years ago at an event um, that I was at. They came out to camp. Um, their daughter came to camp. Uh, we became friends, and Scott invited me into a amazing group of speakers uh, about four years ago. It was it was much smaller than it is now. You only have about a hundred speakers in the group back then. Now I think there's like four hundred and fifty speakers in our group, and that's I invited you into yep. that group, yep. and that's how you got to meet Scott. And he, he's such an easy person to get to know, and, yeah, and kind. Cool. Um, and Allison is kind, and uh, as Scott says, he won the internet because he met his wife on. On Twitter, no, his words: "No better ROI." No better ROI. <laughs> um, yeah, what a great guy and what a great podcast. This is one of our the longest podcasts we've ever done. Yes, um, it was over an hour, and so you know you need to settle in. But this is one of those ones where on Tim Ferriss, right? We're like, um, you know, where, where he had um, one of my favorite podcasts. I can't think of his name right now. Oh my gosh, um, Carl F- uh, Carl uh, uh, Carl Fussman. Oh yeah, Carl Fussman. Yeah, um, the former writer for for uh, Esquire magazine, um, and I. That's a three hour podcast, yeah. and I didn't want it to end. Mm-hmm. And the same thing we had today, yeah. right? Like I didn't want it to end. No, yeah, it was it was amazing. Um, I, you know, it's funny. We were before we went online with them. We we said, hey, we just really be cognizant of your time. Thirty minutes, and he's like, oh, you no problem. Whatever you need, boys. And yeah. I think you know, people, our listeners are going to see this in a few minutes. But um, we we asked maybe one or two questions, and he just went I on. Think and we I asked have, one question. Yeah, and I have a page of notes here. Yeah, you know? and we both beforehand we went out we went out for lunch before the we wanted to be very very clear of what we wanted to ask Scott because you know he's busy and, and he's such a. You know, we just we want to value his time. Everybody want to value all the time of all of our guests, but we want to make sure we went in with Scott's uh, interview with with you know four or five. 
key questions. And as and as Nick just said, we went well, we got one in, <laughs> which is great though. I mean, I, and you know, our listeners are probably like, oh, you're not setting this up well. But well, we but wait we to are. listen to it. Wait till you listen to what you're about to hear magic. right now. It is, and and I would say if you're listening to this, um, you know, and you don't have a pen and paper, then circle back and watch, listen to it again. And it's got nothing to do with or Stu and watch I, it or watch it. It's got nothing to do with us. We're not saying that because we think we we're hardly great. spoke. We hardly spoke. It's because everything of this this master. Um, and he knows, he knows, he knows everything. <laughs> no, but yeah. he, he knows, he knows what he knows. And, and it's easy. I mean, I know I did. He's super humble and super reflective. Yeah, he's, a, such a, he's a good dude to have, talk to. Yeah. So, um, let's do a little bio on Scott. Um, Scott and Allison Stratton are the co-authors of five best-selling business books, co-owners of Unmarketing Inc. and co-hosts of not only the Unpodcast, I love the co-hosts of five children, two dogs and two cats. Um, the show and the books all represent their thoughts on the changing world of business through their experiences of entrepreneurship. Two degrees, Allison, not uh, lasting long enough to, as an employee, um, both screaming at audiences around the world. Um, Scott and Allison, of course, Allison is more polite than yes, Scott. Um, although we talked about that too in the, in the in the his changing views of being on stage. Um, they were uh, put on this earth to remind the world that not all Canadians are passively polite. Um, so it's 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 it. He's got so much there. We talk about his new book. Um, we we talk about um, his his adventures and changes as as a speaker, as an author, as a human being. And um, you know, he's worked with companies like PepsiCo, Saks Fifth Avenue, IBM, Cirque du Soleil, Microsoft. Um, you know, so many more. Uh, the list is long and 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 very different uh, and very um, diverse. Diverse. Thanks so much. Um, so we really enjoyed this, and I hope you do settle in and listen to it. Um, it's one of my favorite podcasts we've done over two years, and uh, I will probably listen to this twice, maybe three times. Me too. So, without further ado, our wide-ranging, humorous, knowledge, knowledgeable, informative, based knowledge, informative, yeah, conversation with the one and only Scott Stratton. All right, this is awesome. We are pumped today to have the one and only, the infamous Scott Stratton with us on the podcast. Scott, my friend, how are you? Oh, infamous. That's the kindest thing I've been called today, so thank you. Oh, that's pretty good. How long has your day been? Is it long or short? I don't know. <laughs> no, have... I, I woke up and actually had a coffee meeting with somebody this morning. I, I don't do meetings. So, no, um, you don't. And you don't do podcasts, so we appreciate you... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you you being here with us today? You just get, you, get, you get burnt out, man. Like five books we put out, and it's like you do the you do like the podcast tour every yeah. time they come out, and eventually you're just like, I don't want to do these anymore. Yeah. And it got to the because you just got so much. It's just it's a lot of time. But for, for friends, I yeah. got you. And plus, you got your own podcast, the Unpodcast. So we do. But the, but the nice thing about the Unpodcast, no guests. Right from the from your house. Yeah, much easier than in a booking standpoint to not have to do any of those. We actually took a here's the jokingly, you know, as as entrepreneurs, we were like we should start a show six years ago, and I took a course, a great course on podcasting, and it's one of the only courses I've ever bought, and it was uh, by Cliff Ravenscraft. Uh, great course. I learned everything about shows, everything about production, and I learned everything to know I didn't want to do um, any of the work of those parts. So we hired it all out, <laughs> and the only rules they had was have one host always have a guest and a fixed amount of time. So we have two hosts, no guests, and no fixed amount of time. <laughs> We're about to do our 300th episode. So. Yeah, there you go. You, you're following your, your unpod, it's un, it's the unpodcast. It's what you're doing. Bingo. Right? 
Um, Scott, we're, we're, as I said, we're excited. The intro, we talked a little bit about your background, your story, the unpodcasting, the unmarketing, the unbranding, the unselling, um, all that stuff. So we, we kind of, if they didn't already know who you are, they know who you are now. Um, but deeper than that, I'm curious, I'm curious. I mean, you've got an HR background. I know you're, mm-hmm. you're you know, you work with the, the, um, with the uh, goodwill in a long mm-hmm. time. I, I know all that stuff, but like, how did you, like, what's, what's, what's the Scott Stratton backstory? I'm talking like back backstory. I'm talking like ninth grade Scott yeah. Stratton. What, what's I, the story? Uh, I always, here's the funny thing. And since, you know, my whole life now, the, my only business is speaking at conferences. And uh, when I was 12, I was 12 years old in the town. I still, I'm sitting in right now. Uh, I was sitting in our living room and the TV was on. And back in the old days, um, you know, we didn't have a remote for the TV. It just, you walked up and you changed the channel. And so whatever channel was on, it would stay on that channel for like three days. Cause it was like, a, it was like the lazy man's game of chicken. Nobody wanted to get up and change it. So it was on a WNED Buffalo feed and it was like a PBS pledge drive. And they're like for $37 a month, you will get as our gift to you, this Les Brown VHS tape of his talk. And then they played it. And I sat in the living room, I was 12 and I'm just like, that's a thing. Yeah. Like, you can just yell at people. I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> and I've al- I always had the, I was always the, the showman, right? I was always the, you know, the relatives would come over for Christmas or something. I would do the, I would do the lip sync show of Prince, uh, um, let's go crazy or something. And then our Duran Duran or something. And, and then in uh, high school, I just realized the only marks I really did well in was anything that was presentation based. Right. And like, uh, I, I would just do talks and that's what got me out of high school. That's what got me through college. And I always knew that like training was, I was going to go into, but a d- parallel during the end of high school and college, um, I was a singer in a metal band, uh, in high school and realized I didn't have the vocal ability to make this a career. Um, so I always tell people I just fired the band and stayed on stage, but at the same time I was managing bands in Toronto and, um, and then I was getting to know, so it was like this parallel was happening. So I go into school for HR for two reasons. One, that's where training fell under and that's what I wanted to do. But I also have a huge, a huge, you know, part of my DNA is, is standing up for people and, and, and doing what's right. And, and I thought that's what HR was for. And I realized at least the part where I went into it, it was not about, you know, protecting employees. No. It was about protecting the employer. And, um, I realized that, it, that wasn't my thing. So I did two years at Goodwill and in, in HR and, um, then I was the national sales training manager for a packaging company. I flew around North America training people how to sell bubble wrap. Which I don't know how you do that. Yeah, I was going to say, um, if everybody heard that qu- uh, clearly, I flew around this continent yeah. training people how to sell bubble wrap. And if you thought what you sold was hard, I sold air. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> did you have a new technique? Someone else like, did you top someone yeah, else's? Yeah, we did. Well, we actually, no, we just kind of, we looked at the, the stuff and how it was all being trained. And they were looking at this con- consultative style selling yeah. of of because uh, we it was packaging products but we sold in our products went to distributors and they sold it to the the end buyer so our my job was training distributors on how to sell in a consultative way wow. and we kind of refined that and realized i you know i wouldn't i always entrepreneur is latin for bad employee i really think that's the really <laughs> what it means that's just this this is code for us entrepreneurs we're like you're a terrible employee me too and yeah and and I, so i lasted four years um, in the corporate world after college, which is three and a half years longer than I think Vegas odds were on. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I realized it was just, I had to do my own thing. And I know 
you know this too. It's just like it's just in it's in your DNA. It's, yeah. it's like I want to I want to be the one making it or creating yeah. it, and and the buck stops with me. And that's so. Um, I walked out of that job right before uh, Owen was born, who's 18 now, and um, I pitched to the president uh, that I would work from home. This is 18 years ago. I'd work from home because I was a trainer, so I wasn't didn't have to be in the office 40 hours a week. But I was flying everywhere to train, and he's like, "We're not ready for the." Uh, this telecommuting thing and uh, and I said okay I quit and you walked away 64 cents in the bank <clears throat> because I'm a moron sorry was that actually 64 cents in the bank was that 64 bad 64 cents in the bank and and parental leave and so I had four, four months of parental leave built into that and I figured I'll figure it out from here to there no yeah. problem yeah uh and it was terrifying and uh and I'd, I'd do it all over again and do you remember your first speech, like outside of that? Your first, your first. Do you remember your very first presentation outside of that moment, like since that time? Yeah, I do. I um, I ended up bartering with somebody. Um, I, I figured the best way to get into the speaking kind of uh, uh, world back in the day. So I have actually had two careers of, of speaking, and um, so the earlier twenty years ago, I was actually like work life balance and HR stuff. And to break into the industry, I'm like, well, I could. Why don't I work with people in the industry? Right. And I put an ad out in a, they called it at the time an e-zine, you know, the right. a newsletter. And I put an ad about, I called it pop the power of presentations and I would help design PowerPoint slides for speakers. And, you know, I was well-versed in PowerPoint at the time. And back then they were worse than they are today. Um, and the first person that inquired on the ad said, Hey, how much is it to tr transfer over old slides to new ones, whatever. And I'm like, Hey, actually, if you showed me the ropes, I'd do this for free. And it happened to be Ann Coombs, who's a Canadian speaker. And um, I helped her out and she brought me under her wing and kind of brought me to an event. I met a person there who wanted me to go to their event and it kind of took off at that point. So, and so on and so on and so on. And then there's that, as you know, the entrepreneurial path is not this, it's yeah. you know, all over the place. Yeah, tangled yarn. Yeah, gringo. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I know you, um, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself for a little bit, but uh, when you launched um, the first book, I, correct me if I'm wrong, the first book, you went on a crazy book yeah. tour. Yeah, I, I, I want, you want, I'll give you the little snapshot of that, yeah. that time frame there. So I, I had walked, uh, I was doing, um, it was probably, I had from when Owen was born, so that 18 years ago and I walked out and then my speaking kind of blew up and we were making viral slideshows, right. which is what they were, were in theory. Any of those back in the day, if you saw those, stock photos with the cheesy text and the cheesy music it was in flash mm -hmm. um the time movie the dash movie all these things that was that most of them were was was my company and i'm and i'm, I'm sorry <laughs> um you know they they were cheesy and they worked and uh so we had found this niche and then the recession hit and i like many didn't see it coming but i was really lazy in my outbound marketing it was everything was word of mouth and i had 2008 um i had negative revenue and uh, uh, I was bankrupt. I was done. And I was just, and it was all because it was my fault. Yeah. yeah. And the recession was, and I get, look, there's always these external factors, but at the end of the day, when you're the boss, it's on you. So true. And, and so I just said, okay, so what am I going to do? I was out. I was, I was desperate. And I met my assistant, Karen, who's still my assistant today. I'm like, you might want to work for somebody else. And she's like, I, I believe in you. Wow. And, you know, she, part of her compensation is a percentage. And so she got negative percentage. And, Anybody else you know, would have walked. And uh, I decided, okay, so all I have now is my knowledge and time, mm -hmm. 
right? I didn't have money. I didn't have gigs. I didn't have anything. And I just said, okay, well, what's this Twitter thing in 08? And um, I got on it. And I'm like, eh, it's not interesting. I wasn't really for it. And then uh, I said, you know what? I'm doing that old marketer thing. I'm, I'm poo-pooing something because I didn't like it myself. And I'm like, right. no, let me try it. So January 09, I gave myself 30 days. I'm going to exhaust this platform and see if it sticks. And if not, I'll walk away. And I sent 7,000 tweets in that month. Um, but it was 80% of them were replies. So it wasn't like I just tweeted out 7,000 right. things. And I went from like 1,200 <clears throat> followers to 10,000. And it was just like everything in the entrepreneurial world to me is about luck, timing, skill, and effort. And if, if all those things fall together, it's a, it's a really great day. Luck, and, timing, um, skill, and effort. Yeah. yeah. So because I think all those factors, because you could be the, you could have the, you could write the greatest song of all time, but if it's during the wrong era, you know, it just doesn't fly. You know, I, I think like for me, uh, I remember when the rap rock stuff blew up and Lincoln Park and Corn and um, Limp Bizkit and all that was going crazy. And I'm like, the Judgment Night soundtrack did this 10 years ago. It's the greatest combination, but nobody cares about that album. Nobody it didn't sell at all. And I'm like, because it's the perfect everything, but the timing was off. Yeah. And just like Twitter. So I blew up on Twitter. I became like the most influential Canadian on Twitter practically until Bieber showed up years later. Damn him. Messed it all up for. But if I did the same tactics, if I started today on Twitter, no, totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different thing. And that all is just timing and luck when it comes to And then I put in the effort and I have my skill was I could write pithy statements. I could write tweetable things. And I was writing about doing Twitter well on Twitter. Like it was like such an echo chamber of stuff. So it was all those things combined. And I just made noise. I knew about running up, building a platform. I knew what publishers wanted and they wanted people that were making noise and they wanted people with following. So mm -hmm. I, my job was to build that platform, that following. And I found people who want to get into uh, books and to speaking where they're always wanting to do that stuff kind of first versus instead of creating the demand for it first. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. And then Wiley uh, and Sons, the publishing company out of Jersey, approached me and said, why haven't you written a book yet? And I'm like, why haven't you asked? <laughs> and they said, touche. And that's where Unmarketing came out of. And I was I was broke. Yeah. And I then wrote it, created my platform. Um, I wrote it terribly. I wrote 38,000 words of vomit. And then I'm Allison, who's now my wife and business partner and co-author came along during that time and turned it into 60,000 words of beauty. And I went on Twitter in June 2010 and said, this fall on marketing is coming out. You all helped create this. Who wants me to come to their city on the unbook tour? So it's not going to be a bookstore tour. It's going to be talks because that's mm -hmm. my skill is speaking. Mm -hmm. And I said, pre-order 100 books, fly me down, put me up. And the reason why you had to do that was I had no money. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I had a prepaid money mark credit card. Like I couldn't get a credit card because I was bankrupt. And wow. it was like, so I'm checking into hotels with prepaid credit cards. And I had one of the places with my client, but the person brought me beside me and they're like, sir, we don't accept prepaid credit cards to check in. And I'm like, oh, this is not embarrassing at all. So I put the tweet <laughs> out. I put the tweet out in June, 2010. Who wants me to do? And 40 cities jumped at it and 30 cities actually ended up making it happen. Right. 30 cities in 10 weeks and also no money. So right. it's like I was I was going for, you know, how many two and a half months just and just hoping it worked. Yeah. And uh, and I'm going to be to be honest with you, after that 30 cities, I haven't stopped speaking since. Right. Amazing. That really kicked the momentum in.
But that tour, I think you slept on couches, didn't you? You slept in like people's homes. You slept anywhere they would yeah. take you. Uh, yeah, I would. I would. It was. It was. Uh, luckily for me, most of them gave me a hotel. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I did sleep at one person's house, but it was a person I had met on Twitter, but okay. I hadn't met on person. Right. Um, John Morgan, and uh, luckily he was also kind, and uh, I wasn't the serial killer, so it worked out right. well. And then, uh, but it was it was crazy because half of the half of the tour stops were put on by people who had never put on an event in their life. And they wanted so badly to support the book. Right. Like, and that was a true testament to community for me was they were just, they would do whatever it took just to make it happen to show their support and, yeah. and, and do it. So I spoke at a, uh, like one of the biggest issues was that obviously people finding a venue. And uh, so I did a car dealership in Edmonton. I did like a little loft space in Nashville. I was on uh, Chuck Berry's uh, uh, duck the duck room or the you know duck room in st <laughs> yeah, louis yeah. like it was and luckily for me i had picked a hundred books as the number because i knew that uh local like american marketing association chapters that was their sweet spot and social media clubs which was a big deal then that was their sweet spot so it was also checking researching what how much the market would bear right so and it was a hundred books it was a nice round number and it and it got the books the pre-sales in there you got to play the game of trying to hit the lists and it, it made Global Mail and National Post and made my mom really proud. <laughs> but honestly, it was just like, that's what kicked it all off. Amazing. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit here, Scott. What, um, you, I know you mentioned Allison. Um, yeah, we're gonna, get a little bit, we're gonna get a little bit, we're, we're gonna get a bit deeper here. Yeah, well, no, just like Not for- Not deeper, but- yeah, Just like, um, I, I know Allison's a, your business partner and, and uh, it was funny just listening to you talk um, you know, when you mentioned when you mentioned your your partner, you mentioned Allison. You kind of lit up a little bit, and you and I have had many exchanges back and forth about you know different things, and and I, I see that in our in our messages and such. So, just as a, a, advice for there's not a lot of listeners that we have. We don't have a lot of listeners, but <clears throat> the ones that we have that maybe in partnership with their uh, with their spouses, with their yeah. you know with their husbands others. or wives, their significant others, boyfriends, girlfriends, maybe I don't know. Um, what, what advice would you have for them? For the, I mean, you have you you guys have built an amazing business together, over, and, yeah. and not not only and you, you have don't this, hate each other. Yeah, 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 and you can tell. I mean, I've been to I've been to you know I've been I've known you now for two years. Been to two of both of your events with the speak with speak and spill. And you can just tell. Like I, the one thing I always walk away from when I when I come from those events, other than the fact that I'm getting an amazing amount of knowledge for you know fellow speakers and, and a Thank wonderful you. community that you built. What I really love to see is just the love that emanates from the stage from both you and Allison as, and it's so authentic it's so like it's just like you know and I, I you know I don't know I just I, I, I go I, I go home every night after those events and I just you know I hug everybody a little bit more tighter you know what I mean just be like yeah, yeah. this one's for Scott you know yeah. <laughs> before that yeah. got awkward but you know what I'm saying yeah. so <laughs> my, my advice my, my question is what advice do you, would you have for uh, entrepreneurs or small business owners that that work with their spouse I um I have a very simple rule and that is when I walk into a room with Allison I look around the room and say to myself, "Does any can anybody in this room treat her better?" Wow. And the answer is always no. And if I hesitate in my head, I'm like, "All right, so what are you doing?" Mm. I'm. Uh, it's a very simple thing we have. Our relationship is very simple. So Allison writes the books, I do the talks on stage, and uh, I don't tell her how to write. She doesn't tell me how to speak. And at the end of the day, we're each other's biggest fan in those disciplines and everything else. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about a partnership, and that's a business partnership, a relationship personally, is that nothing's ever 
and nothing should ever have to be 50-50 and you just keep giving each other 100. And sometimes your 100 equals your 5% one day. And it's just, you're just, you're just out of fuel yeah. and you're done. But you, 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 because if you're both giving, then you're both receiving. And it's a big deal. Like, I, I'm, I, my relationship with Allison is like, not I've ever, I didn't think it existed. Mm. And uh, we met on Twitter. And so I always say I have the best social media ROI in history <laughs> of, uh, of Twitter. Anybody else can take your metrics and stick it. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm sitting in our home that we bought based on the, the brand we built and um and that we get to do this every day like she, like it, it's i i think one day she's gonna wake up and go hang on what 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 did i do yeah what <laughs> what's happening yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i'll be like what's up the 44 year old with a man bun yeah. how you doing <laughs> you know and and it's just that the fact that um we are each other's biggest cheerleader and the, one of the issues with with relationships um that i've found is you kind of have your significant other as your as your dumping ground. You know, they're the, person, the person you're closest to, but it means also you're the one that you you just you offload all the things onto them, and that's part of partnership. That's supportive. Yeah. But however, if you're only just offloading all the time, and you're not helping take that back or lift them up, it becomes this becomes this, mm-hmm. right? And it starts turning and it's shifting, and then it becomes draining. And that's what and it's like it's. We're working on this right now for all the new stuff, the new the new talks and the new book is like putting it into words properly, which is like uh, erosion is the worst part about a relationship, either with customers or with significant others. It's not one instance usually that does it. Now, extreme things obviously can sure. happen, big, big deals and big scandals and all that stuff, but relationships don't usually, you know, just, just immediately die, just like mm-hmm. customer relationships don't. It's erosion. And the problem with erosion is if you're not looking for it, you don't notice it. Mm-hmm. It's like with kids, right? We have five kids now, almost all fully grown. I, I don't know when they grew, <laughs> right? Because every day you don't notice it. But the next thing you know, we have three kids that are like six feet tall here. What's going? I like, I'm like the second shortest in the house now. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't notice the erosion. Right. You don't notice the relationship. So one of the key things that was right from the get-go with Allison is um, I don't, English is my second language. Uh, sarcasm is my first. <laughs> okay, like that, my entire career has been built off people laughing at my sarcasm. Like that's part of the ego fuel. Yeah. Um, and then very quickly in our, in our relationship, I was sarcastic to Alice and I was teasing her about something. And I realized I could look at her face and I'm like, it didn't make her feel good. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, and if our relationship's based on that sarcasm, where you're not lifting your partner up, you're actually making them the butt of the jokes. Um, that is erosion yeah. and that over time becomes you're just it's just you're just tiring to be with yeah right because it exhausts your emotion and that's what I learned with her so I've never made Alice in the butt of my jokes I've never said anything on stage in a negative light jokingly no or, you're, off, you're often self-deprecating to yourself but that's the point yeah. because I can yeah. still funnel my need for sarcasm I just point it inwards yeah and that to me then it still gives me that fulfillment of laughter without anybody at anybody's expense and that is that's a huge huge thing i think yeah, is that absolutely. it's the data it's the day-to-day it yeah. isn't about what you get somebody for the birthday it isn't whether or not you figured out the best valentine's gift there it's it's just the everyday it's a drip 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 it's just a, a constant little thing that is what is your overall it's like branding right it's not about one thing it's about the overall feel yeah and that's what relationships are too and but it's constantly in your head I, every day i we tell each other we love each other a dozen times 
mm-hmm. every day. I tell her she's the hottest woman on the planet, Bailey. And and then she tells it to me, which is kind of her, but um But you're the hottest but, but, woman. But here but but here's the thing. No, Not, right, exactly. Yeah. But 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 you see but you see what I just did there? Yeah. When I just made a joke about myself. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. If Allison was in the room, she would she would just she would just she would she would punch me mm-hmm. because she doesn't let me do it to myself either. Right. And that's important too, because every any look, any kind of sarcasm, there's still a thread of something in there, right? There's still a thread sure. of truth or something right that's that's how it works yeah. mm-hmm. and if i say that because i'm i'm my easiest target she'll be like i'll be like oh, i can't you know that that was stupid and she's like hey don't talk about my husband that way mm-hmm. oh, I love that. i'm yeah. like all right you got me i got when i meet him i'll Touché. tell him <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah it's smart man it's, yeah. but it's an everyday everyday thing yeah I and I, I mean i think that we tell that with our camp staff every year we say sarcasm is another way of swearing without swearing to kids like you're you know it's you're pointed it, it hurts yeah and so we have a we have a, a close to zero policy on sarcasm as we can with our kids at summer camp yeah and that's the yeah. thing is it's 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 a it because it sets the it's the foundation yeah and when they're young it sets off their whole life yeah mm-hmm. right what it's based on and i realize i can do that with the kids and um you know alice and i have the agreement right let's talk to each other if we thought there's something not right and they're like, you know, when the sarcasm, when I'm piling on, because, you know, when you get a run of jokes and like, boom, 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 they're just hitting. Yeah. That's fine if it's you and your adult buddies hanging around yeah. and like, you know, you're sitting around with your your boys or whatever it is. And you're taking shots. That's just par for But even that, you know what? Even that gets tiring mm-hmm. yeah. after a while. Right. If you have that one friend who's just negative, but everything is sarcasm, you're like, can they, can they not come to this outing? Like it's it really is um, a human thing. And it's yeah. it's eroding. So it I'm becomes, glad you guys did it becomes everything. exhausting. Um, it does. It really does. Yeah. And I, th- I think that a relationship, and that can be just like personal, like Allison and I, or friends. Um, I, I have spent a very, very long time only putting our people around us that are supportive. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't mean rose-colored glasses and only seeing the good. No, I mean, like, you only have a certain amount of time on this earth. You only have a certain amount of time in the day. And I want to spend it with people that we fill each other up. Yeah. And so if you're not, if you're not part of that, I don't. Look, I have all the time in the world. I don't have a job. I have all the time in the world and I have no time for that. Yeah. And especially in a world where you're the entrepreneur, where you're the boss, you know, we're making crap up as we go. Yeah. And and we, we need to have other ways that fill these things up because people and lives are depending on, you know, us sustaining it mm-hmm. and doing these things. But when you go and say, have coffee with somebody, right? So if I, if I knew I went coffee with you guys, if you came here and you're like, hey, we're going to go to the thing down the corner and stuff. If we, if the three of us had coffee, I would leave feeling refueled right yeah. yeah right right you're good people and, and but if i was certain other people stuff you just be like they just take 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 yeah and when you leave that meeting that half hour that half day whatever it is if you feel less uh full emotionally than when you got there that's not the greatest relationship that's right yeah and that's for for alice and i we are we are better people together and that's at the end of the day, that's what it means. Are you better people together than apart? And, you yeah. know, I, my life is spent on the road and I can't wait to get home. And that hasn't always been the case in my life. And I can't wait to get home because I want to be home. And uh, which is also, it messes with your head because my dream is doing this on stage, but my, my heaven is right here. Yeah. So it's, it's this toss up all the time. You, you know, it's, go ahead. Sorry, I was just, uh, you know, Scott, you started the business, you know, your business. I, and, and there's more we can get into the story, but um, I think one of the things you've, you've got a natural ability to do, and I've said this for a long time, um, is you have a gift of insightfulness. 
and, and you're, you. you're great at observing things and you're great at, at trans uh, at, at taking that and, and giving it to other people and, and I, I include that in not only what you you do with with all your unbranding and unselling stuff and, and all your speaking but just as a human being and I and I, uh, I I truly appreciate that because I think that that you've you've been self-aware enough to change over time Thank you. even with yourself um, and I and I, I think that's something that people don't often do is recognize where they need to change and get better and then do that and I and I've not that you've ever been in my, I've known you for about four years now, but um, you've never been a bad person in any way, shape or form, but you keep getting better by self-reflecting. And thank you. And, but that's, that's admitting that you're not perfect. Yeah. And I was perfect for the first 30 something years of my life. Yeah. And then I realized I am far from it. I always, for me, it's like every year I get older, I realize I know less and less. Yeah. And I think for me, it's like when I came out originally in 2009, 2010 with the unmarketing and the social media side of things, it was just like everything was black and white. Mm-hmm. And you had to take strong stances, right? I never get this book deal. I don't get the followers. I don't without the strong stances I take. And they're all real. I'm not like artificially standing on one side just to piss people off. But people are afraid of the polarization part. They're afraid of repelling people, but they forget that the other side is more stronger attraction. Mm-hmm. And so I came out on Twitter. This is how you do it. And people are like, who made you share? If I'm like, I did, howdy. And yeah. I would just go out there and I would just yell. And I'd be like, because I believe I believe in people and community and connection and people ruin those things by spamming and stuff and, and LinkedIn and Twitter and stuff. So I came out really strong, but I, I don't know where, because it makes the point of where I am in my life, but I just realized it's just a lot of gray, not mm-hmm. just in my beard. This is a lot of gray in the world and everything is almost like very con- contextual very specific very individualized and yeah so i'm i'm be- i'm just getting older so i'm just becoming a little kinder and gentler scott but then i something sets me off and off i go again so i don't i'm trying though i'm trying to understand more and that's part of it i didn't want to self-improve anything you know in the first 30 something years of my life but in the past 10 uh, you know i've reevaluated things and i'm looking at things and i'm sitting there going at the end of the day and it's, this is not about a relationship it's about life you know do you want to be right right do you want to be happy oh, and I, I the problem is they use that phrase for marriages right and i'm like that, that, that angles it wrong it's like do you want to try to prove you're right even if you're not or do you want to be happy and so it's like those it's like it's like corrections you know when you correct somebody yeah. you know it's just like they said this and you're like oh didn't you mean this and it's just a very small erosion phrases mm-hmm. well you said right? like, yeah like the phrase, like, well, why? I told you, right? That that phrase, yeah. right? The old, I told you so. Yeah. The why would you do that? But that happens with kids too. Like Allison's taught me a totally different mindset about raising kids, and I'm learning. And that takes a long time. Like this has been programmed in for a very long time. I've, you know, I've been myself. have been uh, raising kids for for 22 years, and I, I, you know, I'm like, this is the this is the way it is. Yeah, that's it. And I learned totally different with her. And, and I'm, so I realizing being flexible and opening to learning and opening your mind a bit create, makes your life better. Yeah, I, I remember last year at Epic, you, were, you did your program. And uh, yeah. about 15 minutes into the program, you stopped doing your program. Yep. And uh, you forgot you had a slide deck. And you just leaned up against the, the, the thing. The and high just, top, yeah. You just chatted with us for an hour. And it was a completely different. And I think you didn't know you were going to go there at the time. And No. It just went there, and the best compliment I got because a lot of people had seen you before at Epic, at another event, and uh, and they're all like, Scott was the most unbelievably powerful, authentic person at the four over the four days. 
and that was you just were just you were just self-reflecting on yourself and what you had I, learned as a parent and as a marketer and as a business person as a speaker and everything and it was amazing to watch I, I, it means a lot I, I don't get to do because usually they want the big the big keynote and the big show yeah. and at the at the end of the day it made me realize you know that especially as entrepreneurs there's no such thing as work and life right mm -hmm. there's no, no work-life balance there's no leaving your purses up at the door if you're if you're a business run by humans you're dealing with humans yeah. and i think the more we can help open things up and talk about stuff the better we are as people yeah and instead of having this kind of fake suit of armor and like everybody's just gonna you're just gonna keep doing this and work work, work blah, 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 blah. i'm just like there's human elements here i mean yeah. you just you just can't just gloss it over and just be robotic. That's at least that's not what I want to do. I don't want to be part of that. No, I, I walked away from that program thinking Scott was coming in and talk about marketing, branding, business, and I walked away with stuff about parenting and being a better human being and not bully, not being a bully. And I walked away with stuff that I did not expect to write down in my journal that day. I, I, and, and of course, and. and a lesser event person would have gone. Um, that's not what we agreed upon, Scott. So I have an issue. Like, yeah. so yeah, no, no, no. It was. I, I, I remember it vividly, and I remember that. And the problem is with with Epic. The wonderful thing about it is you have a room of trust. Yeah. And therefore, you feel like you can just be open yourself. up. Yeah. And that that in, the intimacy of that type of audience is is very rare. The authentic entrepreneurs are brought to you by. Hey, it's Stu Saunders from the Epic Community and the Authentic Entrepreneurs. I just want to jump on here real quick and let you know that this May 2020, we're running the Epic Community event again. It was such a success last year and an incredible return ratio, 100%. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what those who were there, listen to how they feel about it. My brain and my heart are so full. It has soul. And I think this is the start of something very special. It's been real. You won't be disappointed. Blown away. Absolutely flawless. Perfect. You know that you're just around like the most amazing humans. Great experience, great people, great minds, great dis discussion. One might say, this is epic. That is just a sampling of what people thought about the Epic community. So do yourself a favor. Go to theepiccommunity.com, apply to be a member, and join us this May 24th to the 27th in Toronto, Ontario. You know what I walked away from listening to you have that conversation uh, with us? And that's what I felt like it was. It was a conversation that you had with that room. I felt like it was just you and I. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and and yeah. I'm sure 45 other people in that room felt the same thing. But what yeah. I walked away from after that, um, after that, after that talk was, oh, I can be myself. You know what I mean? And I honestly got like choked up, and I get, I get like goosebumps thinking about it now. I'm just like because I'm in, as you know, I'm like you know, I'm present, I speak, and you know, mostly in the high school realm and college realm and things like that. And I'm just like I walked away from that as a person who's been a speaker for almost 10 years, and I'm like, oh, I can be me, and all yeah. I'm trying, and if I, as long as my why is is clear then i understand and I, I understand what my how is which is presenting but my why is very clear when i walked away i'm like okay he's exactly who he is i can be myself and, and be authentically myself you know and if that and if that if that's the only thing that ever gets taken away from any of my talks that is means the most to me oh, i'm happy to hear that yeah because was... because i i because the line i say is is cheesy and it's 100 percent true when you are your authentic self you have no competition it's not cheesy 
but I, I know it's, I have this, I have this alarm in my head, right? <laughs> this whole, yeah. the, I'm the unmotivational yeah. speaker type of thing, <laughs> yeah. but it's, but it's, I couldn't, I couldn't come up with a better line for so it true. because I, I going through this past decade of watching social where it went and then becoming an expert on, you know, right on Twitter and then social media and then getting out and moving my brand out of that way. At the end of the day, it was just like, I had this goal when I first started speaking and meeting people like 20 years ago and I started doing work because we make those viral slideshows for some of the biggest names in speaking. And I met them off stage, and I'm sure you both met this and they were not like they were on stage. No, no exactly. they, they would preach like the first time I ever heard the word namaste was out of a talk or keynote and I was their speaker handler and then he got off stage and he was a horrible human. Yeah. And I'm and I'm like, what is going on? And I didn't understand and I didn't I'm like, and I so my only goal, I'm 100% honest here. My only goal was to be the same person on stage, off stage and online. Yeah. And the only way I could do that was me. And it was, and it, you know, that doesn't mean there's no filter. That doesn't mean there's no tact. This doesn't mean that it's just about, you know, this is, this is the product I got. And if you ever try to copy somebody, you're just going to be second place every time anyways. Right. And, and plus I don't want to play games cause I don't know the rules. I just, and I think that we have, a, there's a market for everything and everybody. And, um, I just think that attracts people. I think people connect with people they think are real. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I this is it, man. This is all I got. Yeah. And uh, I'm just lucky that it resonates with enough people to make it sustainable in business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, my best compliment that I ever got about my speaking wasn't from a client. It was from one of my closest friends who passed away about six years ago now, which is, you're my favorite speaker because you're the same person on stage as you are off stage. And that it's was the best huge compliment. The best compliment I ever got yeah, from sure. my friend Laura. And, and she was lovely. So I, 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 to be that person to me is the most important person. That you can be. Yeah, but that, this comes with a caveat though, because one of the things is I'm also able to be myself on stage. Yeah. And I mean by that is, is I, this isn't um, a skill I was, I attained. I'm just privileged and lucky enough that I was born with the ability to not get nervous going sure. on stage ever. And therefore it is very easy for me to be casual or authentic because I don't have to script. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to rehearse and memorize lines. And so if you know, you go to somebody else and say, just talk about you. I'm like, that's a train wreck sometimes depending on the person. Mm -hmm. And so I'm also pretty privileged to be able to be that I have the default skill set that allows me to just to drop yeah. slides and say, you know what, screw it, let's talk. Yeah. You know, because it, it, it won't work for a lot of people. No, so no. I'm pretty, I'm very fortunate that I can, I have the ability because again, it's not a learned skill. I was just, I'm missing that synapse that says wet your pants before getting on stage. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's interesting you say that because, you know, I, I, I give, you know, I give quite a bit of speeches too, I guess. And, and I, I, I get to one of those points where sometimes I got to catch myself. Don't anticipate the laugh or don't wait for the laugh. That, that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? Such like a sucker for it too. Exactly. Yeah. Embrace the, and but one of the things I, I remember how I, how I got started before, like when I, before I even became a presenter, I was a speaker. I was, I was working as a teacher and my wife, at, my, still my wife now, but my wife was a, um, a nurse or is a nurse, worked nights. We didn't have any kids. So at night I would go and go to like comedy clubs, like um, 
uh, comedy clubs and like uh, amateur night comedy clubs. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Open and mic and stuff. Yeah. yeah, open mics and stuff. And sometimes I would say things that I, you know, that were that were great, and I could use that all the time. But then I would come up, and then I'm like, okay, this time, like, say something, and then and then just completely make it up as you go to embrace the suck, right? To embrace the get off the stage. And it was interesting because I just you learn from that, right? And it's huge. One of those things. But the best advice I've ever received was from a renowned comic. I, I mean, <laughs> I can't remember his name now. But he said to me, he goes, embrace the silence. He's like, you get up there and you're looking for the laugh and I get that. He's like, but you're a storyteller, man. You're not a joke teller. You're a storyteller and your stories are funny. He's like, embrace the silence. So I guess my question to you, Scott, is how did, like, I, I know you, you say you weren't born with that, but it, was it with, like, you know, with the, was it the cadence of, the, sorry, the cadence of work that got you to become to that point where you're just like, I'm going to come up here and there's going to be 3,000 people in this auditorium and I'm just going to talk to you like you're the only person on earth. It's, it's a fascinating thing for me where, you know, it's at, and about the, the you know especially the, I always find the interesting stuff is the comedy stuff and the funny stuff and it's it's one of those things where I'm trying to keep this not black and white but gray in my mind about because I, I forever I believe that you can't teach funny right um, I, I you know you, you can teach people to be funnier right but I think there's also a natural element at least off the cuff and stuff like that which mm -hmm. is also very dangerous on stage you can go the wrong route oh, with it oh I've been there yeah and so you get to this point where especially when you get the silence and the joke doesn't work so you try and you double down yeah <laughs> you know it gets uh, real messy and and so for me you know I've, I've always you know I've always been the class clown and so I would uh, I'd show up late to class and then try to make everybody laugh that was my that was my entire I could, that explained my entire academic career pretty much but it was like <laughs> you know, trying to use that stuff. Cause I always think if you laugh, you listen mm -hmm. and um, that's where I get you, you know, and that's mm -hmm. you, yeah, right after the best laugh. It's like you insert the lesson, right? The moral of the story, no matter how obvious you think it is a speaker, you want to state it and you put it out there. But with those things, you know, laughter, one of my, one of my weaknesses, especially on stage is I go for the laugh too much. And meaning like um, like my closing slide for almost all my talks is this Do Taco Bell poop joke tweet wow. that I find I, hilarious. I, I, and, do, I do find that funny. And everybody finds it funny. But it now, now that I don't even do talks about yeah. Twitter at all, it's so out of context. I'm just going for the cheap laugh at the end. So I'm, now I'm working on taking it out because I was a sucker to the, the final huge laugh. Thank you, everybody, for having me. Mm -hmm. And I walk out and that's I realize I don't need it then, but I'm still I, I'm a student of comedy. I love watching comedians. Uh, I have the highest respect for that profession. Um, I did not consider myself one. And uh, because of the respect I have for those that actually do it and get up at that microphone and people yell at them, I don't get heckled. Yeah. You know, it's like as I get I get applause or I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't get booed. I don't get heckled. I don't get stuff thrown at me yet. <laughs> so, you know, I have a great one. People say, you know, you, sh you should be a comedian. And I'm like, no, then I'm expected to be funny. I walk out on stage and here's marketing speaker Scott Stratton. And they, the, the bar is set real low, yeah. real low for comedy <laughs> for me. And if I go out and here's comedian Scott Stratton, they're like, all right, make me laugh. Let's see what you got. And they're right. like throwing nickels at me to dance. Like that's a, <laughs> it's a different content. It's a different setup. It's also why I don't have humor or comedy in my bio. Mm because that they set the audience up oh, yeah, for it. And then, and then I walk out on stage and they think I'm the sound guy and I'm just like, and I just start talking <laughs> and they're just so what's happening right now that I get them by the artist surprise, but I still work on my craft though. That's the thing is my first iteration as a speaker and then as an agency owner, I just laid back my laurels and just like, it's, it's great. 
And now it's constantly, how do I make that line better in my head? I'm always talking to myself in my head. I don't know about you guys on stage, but I'm always, there's, I'm, just, I'm never in the moment on stage. I'm always mm -hmm. talking to myself saying, okay, take this here, take this here, take this here, go here. Time is here. You got time for this story. This story won't fit in. Yeah. I'm always going yeah. on in my head, but I've actually been trying to work on the, the, the triple laugh as well. Like the laugh then the builds on, like it's like a three punchlines in a row. And I think I got it now with one of the bits and but it's always going back and visiting and then watching all comedians and their art and their timing and their cadence. And that's who I study. Mm -hmm. I don't watch other speakers. I watch comedians because mm -hmm. I think their art form is one of the purest of speaking, right? They don't get paid unless people laugh. Like meaning like literally they don't get that, that round of applause and the stuff and they are judgmental drunk people usually in that audience. So oh, yeah. it's like, that is such a, 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 an earned, applause and an earned laugh i really respect that i also like how people have taken the com comedians and they've changed the the format like the hannah gatsby's and the hassan minaj's and they're telling an incredible story with a powerful message through stand-up comedy how great storytelling. Is how is that hannah gatsby's i just what a great incredible <sighs> experience to watch that yeah. I, I just I, I felt every emotion that you had, every. i think you could like i felt like every. i just when i was done my wife and i watched that and i was just like first thing she she said to me she's like well what do you think i was like i need to be better and yeah. I just need to be a better human. Like it was, I just a, was, oh. it was a work of art. As a fan of performance, and like that, it wasn't even a comedy special. It was just a life-changing yeah. video. It was yeah. amazing. It was just like, but I went in thinking it was stand-up comedy, and right. I walked out with a lesson. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I watched that, and it was just—it was perfection to me. Yeah, it was yeah. absolute one of the best things I have ever watched. Yeah. Um, you, because you, of everything else they did with that. Did you see that, of everything. the Hassan Minaj one about the prom king? Yes. Fantastic. Uh, that too. was a powerful moment. Him talking to his father, powerful. his father outside cleaning up the. Anyway, a powerful moment about racism. Yes. Well, who do you Very study then, so. Scott? Who's who are some of the comedians that you study? Um, so it's like you have like I have both old school and new school guys. Like so, for my new school crop of people, I'm a huge fan of Nate Bargatze, uh, James Acaster, um, um, and then uh, there's a, a Sebastian Maniscalco. Um, I just I just finished his book too. Fantastic great book about his journey to comedy and stuff. He just sold out Madison Square and Square Gardens five nights in a row. Like it's so it's a great study. And then I, you know, I love the old greats, mm -hmm. you know, going back to, I got to see Carlin in Vegas oh, um, wow. like uh, 15 years ago. Oh, and he was just, he was working on new material at the Flamingo. Like we, like it was my first trip ever to Vegas and we're there and as a billboard says, George Carlin, I'm like, should we go see him? And then we just walked in, sat down. I'm like, this is how it works every time. And we just sat down <laughs> and he's just got notes. He's like, I'm just going to try this one, you know? And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. awesome. you know, and then, and then Seinfeld is my, you know, I, I was a huge Seinfeld show fan. We saw him in Vegas. He's 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 even better stand up than he was obviously on the scripted show. And, and, and Brian Regan, you know, a lot of these guys that are just, uh, you know, make, you cry laughing mm -hmm. so hard and yeah. it's that it's that that good so I, I really and I, but the thing is though for that it's like i'm i'm closed off to most things now the age i'm getting is like i'm not in the market for new friends or new music or new <laughs> this but then i'm just like who's the new comedian like yeah, that's sure. that's so I'm, I'm always up for that stuff and and we have a, a myself mitch joel and ron tight have a a, a three-way text that we every day we're just like we're just three musketeers and ron's got a comedy background right and he's yeah. so funny he's a standard comedian and so we always every we're always talking about comedians did yeah. you watch this one did you see this one did you watch this one and watching I, like Chappelle coming back i love you know all those type of things and what has helped that though what has really brought me back into that was not only netflix but instagram mm -hmm. watching clips like comedians and watching them do that like that's how i discovered 
uh, Bargazzi, Nate Bargazzi's stuff, and and he's one of my favorites. I, his, he's so good. His delivery is so great and casual in his style and his own. You figure by this point, like every 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 style will be taken. Mm-hmm. You know, right? We had uh, you know Pryor and Hedberg, uh, Sam McKinnison had his own style. Like all these guys had their own thing, and Eddie Murphy and Stephen and, and, Wright. And Stephen Wright. You know, you're yeah. just like, well, that's the gamut. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then these all guys come out, and you just like, all right. I yeah. like that. You know, they're owning it. And whether it's a part of an act, it's because comedy can be a little more of an act sometimes, um, or it's they're just them and they're riffing. Uh, I, bring me the next one, man. Yeah. I love it. Can you separate art from the person? Nope. So, because you mentioned, I think of Louis C.K. Yeah, like, Louis. And, and so, like, well, Cosby and Louis C.K., those yeah. are two of my top. I had I had uh, all uh, Cosby stuff on vinyl. Yeah, me too. Louis C.K. I, we saw twice. We drove to Detroit to go see him. Love his stuff. And yeah. then I, I, but the problem is, I say no, and then I realize, well, how much do I investigate? Do do I chant along with the Doctor Who at the arena when he was, uh, you know, yeah. a convicted pedophile? Yeah. Right? Do yeah. I do I shop at this brand because this person? I'm like, okay, so I. I do it when it's convenient and in my front of my mind. That's the problem, right? Because uh, I, I guess there's, I think morals are, are what you you do when you have the information at hand and, and mm-hmm. decide to do something. And I think that I decide. So when I saw, you know, obviously Cosby, you're like, well, now you're just persona non grata. Like you just nothing. You you don't even want to ever bring it up. You know, I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to watch it because I can't separate it. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time um, with this tattoo that's a scottish flag this is william wallace's sword right here yeah right and a uh, scottish heritage right. and of course obviously braveheart was my number one film of all time seen it 45 times and then the whole anti-semitic stuff came out of mel gibson and crazy you know and so i haven't watched braveheart since because i can't it's not like i'm taking a moral stand because as if he'd get paid more if i just put the old dvd in of braveheart i've got he wouldn't get any more <laughs> from it i just can't in my brain enjoy it Right, yeah. right, and that's where the separation happens for me. It's just about I don't go necessarily out, and I don't jump down other people's throats if they are, you know, if they're like, you know, we just watched Payback. You know, Mel Gibson. I used to work in a movie. Theater. I'm a movie freak. Mm-hmm. I love movies. We just watched Payback, Gibson. I'm like, you know, he's anti. I was gonna start screaming at. Him. I'm just like, look, I, I don't want to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I can't separate it. That's that's. Um, but then again, you know, I loved Pantera. It was one of my favorite bands of all time and I, we did seven of their songs at, at shows in high school i saw them seven times live and the, you know the, these rumors coming out about the lead singer being white supremacist i'm like oh, you know you know and the, that and music it's shown like scientists talk about the and uh, your brain and how music when you're developing your brain in teen years and how the songs implant in your brain those songs are implanted in my brain bring b- incredible memories but i can't i hear yeah. it i'm like oof and you're out yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is this is not all we expected to do. Yeah. Just, you know, we didn't get to any questions. We got to one question. <laughs> didn't get to any questions. Um, That's okay. My favorite uh, twenty four hours of comedy was uh, seeing uh, Mike Berbiglia at JFL. Dude, that's, so I totally forgot Berbiglia. Dude, he's top, he's top three for us now. I'm yeah. so, oh God. He's I tell brother. every speaker who wants to be a speaker, I say, watch oh, Mike Berbiglia. Oh my God. It is a thing of yeah, beauty. My, my girlfriend's Friends, boyfriend. boyfriend yeah. oh. the, my girlfriend's boyfriend would be the greatest comedy thing I've ever seen. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Scrambler? Oh, the Scrambler. Scrambler. Oh, oh. My, I cannot watch that without hyperventilating. Oh, and yeah. we went and saw his one-man show on Broadway. Oh really? We went down the new one. to go. To go, yeah, to go see it. 
Yeah. And just to stand, and we were three rows back, and I'm just. I took my wife. That was when we did Montreal at JFL. He did the new yes, one. Yes, yes. And so I took my wife, who does not like stand-up comedy, has no time for it, thinks it's a waste of time, and she loved it. And the next day we went to Bell Center and saw Seinfeld um, 24 hours later, and she said it was like the best 24 yeah, hours of her go. life. I mean, he was so good. Oh, he's so, oh, good. He's so good. Birbiglia. Oh, I, can't, I, I apologize to, to Mr. Birbiglia. He does listen the to the podcast. Out there. He does listen That's to the podcast. I, yeah, I don't. And... Uh, yeah, he is top three for me. He is a, but also it's not just the, he's not as not only his timing and hilarity, his pacing, yeah, the writing, where he walks around the stage, everything. Oh, the storytelling, the mm-hmm. yeah, the blocking. Mm. That is a that is a masterclass yeah, in comedy hard. on every level. Yeah, no question. Yeah, my girlfriend's boyfriend where he, where he comes back to the beginning with the well, t- hits with t- with t- like, and then he ends with the with with the girl with the, off the the, yeah. the beam and she, he's just like yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was brilliant. It was the whole thing. Uh, I've only ever stood up twice and clapped after watching something. Once was that, and once was the Hannah Gatsby. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah exactly. Have you seen Hannah live? <clears throat> no. Yeah, I want to, it's on my bucket list. It's just no. Hannah Gatsby. I, me too. Me yeah. too. Yeah, me too. Should we end this? Uh, yeah, we have to. We, have a, to be, <laughs> we could do this all day, Scott. I don't know. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much. We really could. Um, so a quick, quick question for you, Scott, and then we'll wrap mm. this up. Um, you have a new book coming out. We do. And uh, can I talk about it? Yeah, go ahead. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Oh, wow, I guess you can, because it's uh, literally right there. Um, the Jackass Whisperer. Now, at first glance, if you don't know the Jackass story with Scott Stratton and Allison Stratton and the whole talk you guys had, talk about it a lot. What is the Jackass Whisperer? So 10 years ago uh, on Twitter, um, a friend or colleague in Toronto tweeted, I, my Twitter name is Unmarketing, and he said, I just watched a five minute video of unmarketing speaking and didn't shoot myself in the face. Somebody owes me a cookie. And I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like, what? It was unprovoked. And I wrote back and I'm like, man, why the, why the hate? And he just says, it's not hate. It's just fact. Deal with it. And this before deal with it was a meme. Like this was like, (laughs) this was an original deal with it coming down. And and I'm like, what? I couldn't get over this. Uh, and, And somebody DM me and said, why don't you kill them with kindness? Like, why don't you win them over? And, and, and I'm like, I'm, my job isn't to re- rehabilitate jerks online. I'm not the jackass whisperer. And then I just put it out as a general tweet and it went nuts. Yeah. And so it just caught on. And so we made stickers and we yeah. made socks and we made posters and, and it went crazy and mugs. And then the next thing you know, um, you know, 10 years later I, i've been running a list of all types of jackasses every time somebody, somebody pisses me off i'm like you're going on the list and i put them on the list <laughs> and then we decided to do this book kind of for fun with uh, page two publishing out of uh, vancouver and it was the jackass whisperer how to deal with the worst people at work at home and online even when the jackass is you and that really is it's really a book about empathy right if you're always running into jackasses i'm not saying i'm just saying <laughs> right <laughs> You may be one as well. (laughs) So the book has 125 jackasses in it. So each jackass is is named. The only long chapter is two pages is the one about email signatures. Because it has 120 lines in it, and then uh, but the rest of them, the rest of them is like uh, describes the jackass, and then there's a jackass response if you want to continue the jackassery, and there's a whisperer response if you want to end it in your in your own mind. And uh, then you at the uh, sorry at the front you go through that. There's a checklist. Of all oh the um, all the jackasses, I don't know how the lighting's going. So you check off each one you are, and then at the back you compare your score 
to the list. You would be anywhere from a seasonal or part-time jackass all the way up to a founding jackass. Um, and, and the best thing about this, we made it as a gift book. We kept it as a soft cover. Yeah. We priced it, real, priced it real low. And it was the best thing because what happens if somebody ever walks up to you and says, I thought of you and gives you this book, what are they saying? Yeah. Are you are you a jackass or a whisperer? So it just leads to years of passive aggressive sure. family <laughs> gatherings. It's glorious. Um, and we're but it's a book about empathy because if we don't think we're part of the problem, we can we'll never find a solution. Right. Right. Is it is it is it examples? Or I know you got examples of like the socks off in the plane. The uh, yeah, they're all examples. So nobody's yeah, actually okay. named in it. So yeah. it's like uh, so there's seven sections. One's like the jackass in the wild. The jackass goes to the gym. Uh, <laughs> the jackass goes on a goes travels. So like the jackass at the gym, we have a little donkey flexing uh, on that section. And then each section starts with a story, like the the origin story of each yeah. thing. And uh, um, it, it's funny. And the jackass at the mall. So it's just out in public. The jackass has kids. You know, it goes through all those things. So it's all situational and it's just describing each. Yeah. But the thing is though, each jackass almost counterbalances each one. So one of them, like one of the first ones is the jackass is a vegetarian. Okay. And it talks about that. And then the next page, the jackass is a meditarian. Right. And Allison's so, a vegetarian. I'm gonna be a meditarian. So yeah. nice. You are a meditarian. Yeah, you love your meat. I do. Big smoking man. smoking the meat. Scott. I got this I got the smoker in yep. the back here. We just yep. did a brisket, man. It still has the aroma. <laughs> Well, listen, um, we've taken more of your time than we planned. And we are um, grateful for it, Scott. Thanks so much. Of course. Man. How do people get a hold of you? Find the Jackass Whisperer. How do they uh, How do they Oof. stay in touch with Unmarketing? And un- Jackass Whisperer, wherever fine books are sold. And then um, we are pretty much Unmarketing on most platforms. You can find both of us through that way or send us a tweet. Yeah. At uh, Unallison for Allison, at Unmarketing for me. Perfect. Last thought before I let you go. Um, we are an entrepreneurship podcast. You got lots of young entrepreneurs. What's the uh, what's the number one good thing and bad thing that you see entrepreneurs doing right now in 2019, 2020? I, I know it's probably not quick. It's, probably not quick. I probably no. I, that. I, you know what? One of the don't let age ever allow people to make you feel stupid. I think that's one of the biggest parts is we don't allow people leeway or a runway because they're young. And I, I one of my favorite shows to listen to other than yours is. Um, <laughs> is how I how I built this yeah you know the NPR great, show great and I'm, you know you're listening to the founder of Lululemon to five guys to all these places and almost every single one of them had one thing in common almost every single one of them that started off especially if they were new to entrepreneurism or young they would say I didn't know what I didn't know and uh, ignorance was a huge reason why I could succeed in this because if I listened to people or know what I knew now or knew what I know now I would never have started yeah. Right. So that, that being naive a bit is actually really healthy and uh, because it allows you to give you some drive. And yeah. because if you looked at the real world and the success rate of businesses, you'd be like, oh, I'll just do something else. And yeah. um, sure. and I never let it stop it. Right. That old line of an entrepreneur is the only person that would work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40 for somebody else. Yeah, and exactly. that's 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 it. man. don't let that age thing. But also, you know, also understand that uh, sometimes older people like me, are giving advice based on experience because the only thing we have as old people is is, is wisdom, which is time plus mistakes. Mm-hmm. And we want to help you try to sometimes when you look at something, you get that look of mm-hmm. you know, like this whole I'm looking at the young budding entrepreneur. You're like, okay, yeah, give it a shot there, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But the thing is, though, it's different now. It's not like it's not like the rest of history. It's so cool to say, but it's not like the rest of history where you you know your father did this. You try it, and the same mistakes you would make, he had made, so he can help you. Now things are changing so fast. 
companies are being launched straight with no storefront, no place, no thing. You can make a seven figure business just through Instagram in theory, mm -hmm. right? You think my dad's going to tell me about that? Yeah. No, but they can tell you business things about capital and cash flow and those type of things. But we, this is the first generation that the hindsight of the older generation is not applicable to a lot of things for the younger generation. Wow. You know, every generation has hated the younger generation. That's just law, mm -hmm. right? You know, it, it, but it is, it is different. Disruptions change that and disruption is just changed without time to resist. Yeah. So now our wisdom is worth less and that's a real kick in the gut for us, right? We're supposed to be at this age now where we're sitting on our front porch and pontificating to whoever will listen and also get off our lawn. <laughs> you know, we're paid for our seniority and it's not cutting it as much anymore. So true. Yeah, it's such great wisdom. And if I could put a self plug in, I got a book coming out with page two as well I'm working on. Yeah. And the book is called, I Didn't Know I Couldn't. Love it. What a great title too. Yeah. Damn, that, I'm all about the, it's also the only part of the books I write is the title. So uh, <laughs> I love that hook. Yeah. I do love that hook. And That's I showed, a great hook. That was help by Phil Jones on that one too. He helped me with that a little bit. Uh, so. Man, the wordsmith himself. Right. Scott, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it a lot. Hey, my pleasure, both of you. All right, bye. Uh, wow. I don't even have the adjectives to describe that. No. How many we, questions do we ask? One. One question. And I don't, we didn't even get to the super secret question from the computer. We couldn't because we had, we, we said to him. We didn't the get to four big questions. I know. At the beginning of the show, we said to him, 30, 30 minutes, we want to be cognizant of your time. And it's an hour and you're like, one more to wrap. And we didn't even talk about his book until, and he was so like generous. And then at the end, I asked another question about the, I know. the mistake. That should have been a question that we could have led with, but it took him 15 minutes to get through that because it was such, no, it was so much knowledge and yeah. awesomeness in it. So anyway, wow. Thank you, Scott Stratton. Unreal. Unreal. What's your one takeaway? Erosion over time. I just thought that was profound. So the, the time when it says it, nothing in business or in relationships happened because of something catastrophic. He said there are, there are times where it does happen one profound incident, but it's erosion over time. And you need to, as an entrepreneur and as someone in a relationship, whether it's with your partner or your spouse or whatever, you need to understand, you need to continue to re, um, you know, kind of reflect on yourself. Like, how can I be better for her? How can I be better for him? How can I be better for them? How can I be better for my business? And it's erosion over time. Usually things that don't go well in business happen over a long period of time. And it doesn't just happen straight away like that. And yeah. I just thought that was great because it tells entrepreneurs to be like, you constantly, no matter how good things are going for you, like I'm jacked up with listening to this mm -hmm. right now, but no matter how things, how well you think, think things are going for you, like you need to continue to recalibrate and refocus and, and, and just kind of, you know, make sure you're still on top of it, you know? Yeah, he he was. Um, there was so much there. That, that it was a conversation about relationships for the first half an hour, I think. Yeah. You know, and it was, and I think you could. He was talking about Allison and and, and relationships, but I think that's the same thing with with relationships with your clients, uh, with your your fan base, with your whoever you serve. I mean, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. It was no different. It was very. Um, I, I like his talk about luck, timing, skill and effort yes yes um that was good yeah it was great yeah what'd you what'd you get from that well i mean he, well it was great because he used a great analogy he's like you know you could have you know he used the music analogy right yeah where you could get this you know this unbelievable you know song and music or soundtrack and come out and 10 years ago no one talks about it but yeah. now you know everybody's talking about it well yeah he said he built a relationship on his entire foundation on twitter mm -hmm. um because when he did it 
that wouldn't happen today. Well, that's it. And that's that. That's the one thing I got from it as well, is just like you walk in and you like, if you want to build your entire, like I mean, his entire business existence was, is predicated on his yeah. Twitter analogy. And what I loved about that is that he looked at Twitter, he's like, nah, it's not for me. And then he's like, well, hold on a second. 30 days. 30 days, all, all in. in. 7,000 tweets. Tweets, like, so, and so 80% were responses, 20% responses. were original retweets, or original tweets. And he's just like, I'm just going to double down on this. And, and he went from 1,200 to 7,000. No, 1,200 10, to 10,000 followers. Yeah, in 30 in a month. Yeah. So that's, yeah, and I think that's something that you need to look at as a, um, well, look at that now, right? Like we so often, a lot of times, and you, you and I both know, we're in businesses where there's a lot of presenters and the presenters are like, okay, well, speak first and have this great base to do things. And he's like, well, no, I did it the other way around, which is probably the better way to build it. He's like, I built a foundation of people who wanted me to do well with mm -hmm. my followers, mm -hmm. wrote the book, mm -hmm. you know, or started speaking because of that, and then wrote the book and then said, listen, if you want to support the unbrand, then yeah. come out to my, or, or take, who wants to see me? present you know and 40 yeah. cities said yes 30 booked them by 100 books all these were pre-sales and he went and he just talked about having you know zero you know zero cents and zero dollars in his bank account to 64 cents yep yeah, to where he is now right so you know he said luck timing skill and effort he's like a lot of it had to do with luck he's like in the, in the timing he's like, yeah. but you know he's a skilled guy and he put in the effort you i'm know? super looking forward to his new book yeah the jackass whisperer um yeah so Great conversation. Uh, thanks so much, Scott Stratton. Uh, and thanks, Allison, as well, because Scott and Allison are synonymous, and they're not. Scott's not the same man he is without Allison. No, of course not. They make better, each other they're, better, they're he they're said. They're a good duo. Yep. Um, so that's it uh, for another episode of our show. I think this is probably <laughs> the longest one we may ever do. But it was valuable. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm very grateful for, for Scott and uh, all those who come on um, to our podcast. And if it's... If you haven't um, decided to yet sign up for our podcast, do it now. Yeah. Subscribe. I mean, it, <coughs> what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? If you haven't, like, I know you're probably gonna like come at me on Twitter or, or Instagram or. Does anyone actually ever come on come on at you? Come at you? Do they ever like attack you on Twitter? Really about this stuff? No, but that's what people say. Do they? Don't come at me. You coming at me? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think I, I'm not that controversial on Twitter. Oh jeez! Oh jeez! The P just the P just. I understand why you're not subscribing if you don't. Though. The P just dropped. If you're watching, <laughs> if you're watching on Instagram, I mean, I watch it on on YouTube. You can't watch it on Instagram. You can. We you do, can. We I guess. Mikey does great little promos on the uh, Instagrams. Yeah, um, and coming up in the next few weeks. So another reason why you <laughs> want to uh, you probably want to subscribe in the next few weeks. We're going to have Todd Herman on the show from uh, the Alter Ego. We're going to have Jonathan Fields on the show from the Good Life Project. Um, we're going to have um, uh, Lisa, Mc, Mc, uh, Lisa Nichols. Nichols on the show from The Secret. Um, we've got a great, yeah. great lineup A here. great season, man. Like, yeah. this is a ja I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for this season. I was pumped for last season, season, but I mean, I think this season's better. Yeah. No offense And, and, and since Mikey rewired the studio, um, the sound's only going to be good. Michael's, Mikey's better. He's just a better human than you and me. He really is. Anyway, let's wrap this up. All right. Well, that's it. Right. <laughs> done. It's done. All right. On that note, thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, share, uh, like, comment, all that stuff. Wherever podcasts are found. Wherever they're found. And watch us on YouTube because there's always something special on YouTube. Yes. Like right now, I'm doing this. And right there, I'm doing this. But you'll never know unless you are watching on YouTube. <laughs> exactly. All right. Peace out. Until next time, keep being authentic. All right. <laughs>
Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Authentic Entrepreneurs. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, keep being authentic.